0: welcome to god incoming with alicia brown i'm alicia brown and this is my podcast in this episode we're going to be talking about thug life raising children and why the biblical structure of family is important i hope you guys enjoy and have a blessed day Hey y'all, I know the title is a little weird, huh? Thug Life. (laughs) Sounds strange, but it actually does relate to what we're talking about today. The topic is about children and the acronym Thug Life, according to Tupac, stands for The Hate You Give Little Infants F's Everyone. By F's, I mean the curse word. (laughs) The reason this is important in the context of today's episode is because God has children on his heart heavily right now, which is why he's been pressing me so strongly to speak on this topic. He confirmed this word through one of his prophetic voices back in July, and he recently confirmed it again through some notes I wrote way back in earlier months that I could not understand then, but I understand now. Everything he said is prevalent for such a time as this. This was all revealed because this message is important to the future of the generations as God is a God of the generations. So I thought I'd give some insight on how we can impact children in the best ways so that they can grow into fully functioning, healthy, autonomous human beings and ultimately be important figures in the kingdom of God. Just a fair warning. This message might go sting a little bit. <laughs> I was scrolling on Hulu trying to find something to watch while I worked on some projects I'm in the process of, and I saw a note on my computer written back in February of 2021. God revealed multiple meanings in this note, but prophetically he was letting me know then what he's asking me to speak about now. Then, through the last full week in August, he put a song in my spirit. It was Umbrella by Rihanna. I didn't truly understand until I woke up early this morning where I was attempting to put a video on to fall back asleep to when I accidentally clicked on another video and it was this woman who is a known prophet of God. I'm subscribed to her and God uses her very powerfully. I'll refrain from putting her information out because I don't know if she's okay with being talked about on my personal platform, but nonetheless, when I clicked the video, I felt like I should stay and watch. I was just about to go into my history and click back onto the other video, but I felt like it may have been divine that this video just randomly started. I'm so glad I did because God spoke through her and confirmed everything. She was seeing the same vision I was, but because I believe she's more versed in the prophetic, she was able to pull out deeper meanings. Or maybe she had an understanding that God used to trigger something in my mind that relates to what he needed to be done on my part. She even said something about a dog, which resonated because I've not only been wanting a dog, but I've been seeing a lot of signs pointing to dogs. Anyway, This is all the setup for what we're going to talk about. So I saw the movie The Hate You Give on Hulu and decided that it was something I was open to watching again. I may spoil some parts of the movie, so if you haven't watched it, I'd suggest you go watch it. But if you're okay with spoilers and you don't really care, then cool. Just listen. I also saw the book pop up at work so I want y'all to know that God will confirm things in a way that cannot be denied. If you're seeking confirmation you will find it if you are still in wait in his presence patiently. Shortly into the movie when Star played by Amandala Steinberg and Khalil played by Algie Smith are together in the car Khalil says what the acronym thug life means. As soon as he said it God gave me a full-blown revelation, reminding me of things that I've seen and what I know to be true. Suddenly, I could feel how grieved God is, not only by the state of his people, but for the children who suffer in the systems of the world. I'm speaking about children in general. God knows about all the pain and the struggles we face, and he wants to help by starting with our children. I want to say to all of my Black listeners, please tuck this message into your heart because our family structures were destroyed through slavery, but God wants us to get back to real relationships and real love so that we can properly raise up children into kingdom people. Using myself as an example, I'm a visual spatial learner, which means I rely heavily on imagery to learn. Some people say that we may be dyslexic, which I'm not sure how accurate that is, but it's definitely something to look into. But I think that is just because God made me a highly creative individual. You have to be able to think differently in order to birth something into the world that nobody has ever seen executed in a certain way. In addition to that, I also learned by association which can be tricky for a parent to recognize or understand because I like to learn from sight and experience. Associative learning can be compared to conditioned learning in psychological terms, meaning I could hear someone explain something to me, but I don't associate it with anything until I have an experience that then opens up my understanding of it. An example of this would be a parent telling me not to touch a hot pot on the stove. I go over to the pot and I touch it anyway, and then I get hurt. Now I can associate hot pots with pain, and I'm conditioned not to touch a hot pot anymore. In psychology, there are three main types of learning, classical conditioning, operant conditioning, and observational learning. According to VeryWellMind.com, classical conditioning is a learning process in which an association is made between a previously neutral stimulus and a stimulus that naturally evokes a response. For example, in Pavlov's classic experiment, the smell of food was the naturally occurring stimulus that was paired with the previously neutral ringing of the bell. Once an association had been made between the two, the sound of the bell alone could lead to a response. If you don't know what Pavlov's experiment was, it was research that Ivan Pavlov did involving the salivation in dogs in response to them being fed. Pavlov put test tubes into the dog's cheeks so that he could see how much the dogs would salivate. He thought that the dogs would begin to produce excess saliva when they had food placed in front of them, but they actually would begin to salivate when they heard the footsteps of his assistant who was used to bring them the food. He learned in the end that every object or event that occurred that the dogs associated with food, it would trigger them to salivate. This also goes back to the dogs God was showing me, by the way. But this is important to know because it shows that the environment that a person grows up in can subconsciously shape them whether it's for the better or the worse. Operant conditioning is important because it is a type of an associative learning process. It deals with positive reinforcement, positive punishment, negative reinforcement, and negative punishment, which says that the strength of a positive or negative behavior can be modified by the use of positive or negative reinforcement. Essentially, the consequences of your actions may influence either positive or negative behaviors depending on how it was experienced. This is crucial to teach your child because if you do not condition your child to know that their actions have consequences, both positive or negative, you will raise entitled children who believe that there are no consequences. As Tiffany Buckner, a.k.a. Anointed Fire on YouTube would say, children are not narcissists, but they are narcissistic. These people who we frequently refer to as narcissists are adult children who were not conditioned in ways that broke them out of only seeing themselves. Children have to be narcissistic when they're younger to be able to get their needs met. But as they grow older, they're supposed to be nurtured so that they can learn empathy. When they physically get older, but they aren't taught these things, they don't grow and cannot be healthy functioning adults. Again, Tiffany Buckner talks about empaths, narcissists, prophetic people, and creatives on her YouTube channel. And she has these long but fascinating videos that speak about this from a psychological and Christian perspective. It's truly eye-opening and can deliver some of you who are in bondage to these kinds of people and relationships. She even identifies the spirits behind different kinds of people and gives biblical teachings on it. And observational learning is pretty self-explanatory. You see something and you learn from whatever you saw, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. This is important because how you behave around your children will shape them. And I'm going to go into this more later because some of y'all need to hear some more about this. But let's talk about the family structure for a bit. The biblical order of the family is often represented using the imagery of umbrellas. Picture this, there's a huge umbrella over your head that covers your entire family. This umbrella is Christ. Your husband is the one that holds this umbrella up for your family. God made him to be the protector, the provider, and the first line of defense for your family. Through his submission to Christ, which should occur before you even get into a relationship with one another, he knows how you, as the wife, should be loved, how to take care of his family, how to protect his family, and how to pray, provide, and cover his family as Christ covers him. If you're a man listening to this and you don't know how to do any of these things, don't worry, I got you. I recommend you go watch Tony Gaskin's Man to Man series on YouTube. There's also Redefined TV with Pastor Jerry Flowers on YouTube, and there's multiple series on that channel that talks about relationships and all different kinds of biblically supported growth-related topics. I think these would be very beneficial for men trying to learn and grow in those areas. I also listen to Dr. Darius Daniels, as I'll mention quite frequently, He is a thought leader, as he so eloquently calls them, and he's really blazing trails in this area. But on his podcast, on Season 2, Episode 8, he talks with a man named Enaton Bariola about God-ordained masculinity and how chivalry is rooted in love. So check those out if you're wanting to learn tools to become a more well-rounded man of God. I'll leave uh, links in the description. Ephesians 5, verse 22 through 33 in the New International Version states, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church, however, Each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I've seen people use these verses to tear down their significant others, and it breaks my heart because there's a call to action for both the husband and the wife in these verses. You are both equals in Christ, but you have to submit to one another in love. You do not manipulate, deceive, or attempt to overpower one another. The husband has to be the head of the household, following under Christ, but he has to love his wife. You have to love her and cover her in prayer. Cover her using the word of God. Present her as holy and blameless without blemish. Love her as you love yourself. You love yourself when you love your wife. That's so powerful because you are the primary example of Christ to your children through your displays of love toward your wife. Remember, children learn through what they hear, auditory, see, visual, and can touch or feel, kinesthetic. This is a very big task that you are committing to when you make those vows. So I suggest you make them and take them seriously as God takes the covenant you vowed to him very seriously. I believe you display your true relationship with Christ or lack thereof to the world in the way that you treat your wife. And that's why many say that marriage is ministry. Now, picture another slightly smaller umbrella underneath the first umbrella. This umbrella is being held up by the wife. It is still a very strong and powerful umbrella, but it does not overpower the first umbrella. If anything were to happen with the husband or his relationship with God, the wife is the first line of defense for the children. Her husband covers her and the wife covers her children. The wife is also required to have her own separate relationship with Christ independent of her husband's relationship with christ she wars in the spirit for her children who are too young to cover and protect themselves and she wars through prayer for her husband they battle in the spirit for one another as ephesians six twelve in the king james version states which is one of my favorite verses by the way it states for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. For people who may not know what that means, I'll explain. It means that we do not fight or argue with people. This world is influenced by the spiritual world, so everything that manifests into this earthly realm has already taken place in the spiritual realm. When you're battling in the flesh, You're fighting in a way that has no power or authority in this realm. The spiritual realm is where all of the true power and authority lies. So you take everything to God in prayer and he imparts his spiritual authority through you over the situations that are manifesting from the spiritual realm into the natural. This reminds me of Philippians 4.6. Moving on, one of the biggest things we struggle with as women is respect. Now I'm looking at all my chocolate, espresso, mocha, caramel, latte queens out here right now. Side note, for my non-people of color listeners, please don't conflate people of color with food. I was just saying it because we have a different interpersonal relationship amongst ourselves in the black community because we're more likely to see each other as human beings. I say this not to make anyone feel bad, but so you know that the reason we can do and say certain things within the context of our communities and you can't is because there's no systematic dehumanizing of us as a people amongst our own people, meaning black people still view other black people as human whereas some non-people of color have been desensitized to us as a whole. If you want to learn more about that concept, Dr. Anita Phillips has a podcast called In the Light, and in an episode called The Betrayal with Dr. David Swanson, who is a white pastor who runs a multi-ethnic church, they talk about his book, Rediscipling the White Church, and how to move from cheap diversity to true solidarity. Whew. Anyway, sorry for running off a little bit there, but I'm back. Wives, we need to get back to respect. Our man is asked to die for us, to love us as Christ loves us, which is unconditionally. But the one thing it says that we are to do is respect him. In my interpretation, this shows that a condition of you receiving from a man Everything listed above is the amount of respect you show for this man. I recently watched War Room with Priscilla Shire for the first time, and it was absolutely an image of how God wants us to be as wives when the husband goes astray. Instead of blaming him for the problems and hating him, you need to love him, war for him in prayer, and submit to him unless he's physically harming you, because it's not in God's character to subject his daughters to abuse. This allows the wife to be in a position of strengthening her husband by pouring into him and the children to be protected on all ends so that they can grow up underneath this thick covering of protection and eventually go out into the world being well-rounded, healthy individuals. We start as individuals, but our unity is what makes us the body of Christ. If we build the individuals strong in our households, we can then form a strong body that glorifies God. I want to dive back into observational learning, though, and I'm getting back into this because it's truly important, and I know God needs someone to be delivered through this. I've noticed Christian parents tend to use their influence on their children in ways that can be unhealthy, often attempting to control and treat their children as if they aren't their own human beings with thoughts, feelings, emotions, and a voice of their own. Be your child's safe space. Don't bring a battlefield into the space where your child is developing their sense of self and learning who God created them to be. Some will attempt to discredit me because I'm not a mom currently myself. But at one point, I was a mother-like figure in a child's life. I was in a relationship with someone who had children, and the mother of one of the children left their child with me at a very crucial stage in that child's life. And I was that child's mother figure for almost a year. This child even called me mom. I'm also a daughter, and as someone who's been in both positions, whether temporarily or permanently, I know what it's like to feel heard, known, and understood, and also what it's like to feel dejected, rejected, and unheard. Children are the future of this nation, and with how we choose to raise them, this can truly make the difference between a healthy adult and a grown child who has to deal with the seeds of the trauma that you sowed into their life through your actions and behaviors, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Guide them gently and allow them to foster their own healthy environments of expression. If not, this can have a negative impact on your children because this sense of control and manipulation can stifle your child's growth and sense of self. Identity is a big deal in life. It's one of the main contributing factors why people get into the situations they get into and make the choices they make. It's because they don't really know themselves. This unknowing of the internal soul's character can contribute to people losing themselves and getting involved in the wrong spheres of influence. They'll go in their own ways out of rebellion from you being too overbearing. Kids are impressionable. In the movie The Hate U Give, when the father Maverick gets into an altercation with King, the ringleader of the gang in their city, as he's searching for his weapon, Sakani, the smallest and youngest son, was watching the whole thing and pulls out his dad's gun and points it at King. I realized then that what children see being done in the world informs their relationship to it. Children who grow up seeing injustice, abuse, and wrongdoing grow to despise that very thing or they become influenced by it. I believe that that despise for injustice can be perverted by the enemy into a disdain for the people these children see these acts being committed by. When this occurs, many people end up going through trials and tribulations that they could have avoided. And this leads to situations that can be detrimental to a person's well-being. This is why Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 in the New King James Version says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it, because you've instilled in them a solid moral compass and established good habits for them in their childhood and adolescent years. You don't have to control them in order to get them to go down the right path. You protect them, you pray for them, and you leave them to God. He will make sure they're protected always, and that's trust. Even if they do depart from the faith, I truly believe that these children always come back because the word was instilled in them as a child, even subconsciously. I also want to make sure that you know that attempting to control and manipulate someone into doing exactly what you want them to do, be exactly who you want them to be, or feel how you want them to feel is a form of witchcraft. Witches and warlocks or wizards manipulate to get their desired outcomes. When all is said and done, you should be praying for God's will to come to pass in your child's life not for them to get into a specific school, not for them to be a star athlete or anything else of the sort. All you need to pray is for the will of God to come to pass. I want you to remember that he's entrusted you with this child. So don't go thinking that just because you birthed them that they now belong to you. Your child is not your possession, nor are they a spitting image of you. In Luke chapter 2, verses 45 through 50 in the New King James Version, it says, So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. This describes Jesus's parents, Mary and Joseph, going out to look for Jesus after not seeing him after the Passover feast. They went back out looking for him and he essentially told them that he was doing the will of the father and that that is what comes first. The child that you're in temporary possession of is God's prophet, minister, deliverer or healer. Jesus was doing what God needed him to do. And God put something in every single child of yours soul to come onto this physical earthly plane and birth something that glorifies the Father. They can't do that if they're stifled, uncreative, and burdened by the idols you created in your mind of who they need to be. I've lived with and been in environments where I watch people be too far on either side of the spectrum. Some families will berate, yell, beat, and scream their kids into submission. Others will overgive and give their child everything they wanted and never got with no regard for when to stop. Both are toxic as one fosters an environment of enabling and the other fosters a child with a lack of empathy who will then go into the world and hurt others. I want to say that balance comes in here. Give your child a healthy amount of freedom while still teaching boundaries. I once had someone tell me that they train their child up in a certain way because of what they went through. And I was heartbroken because this person has gone through a lot. But don't raise your kids to go through what you went through. Raise them to overcome what you went through. This means that you may have gone through a unique set of experiences that got you to be who you are today. You may have lost a parent young or had some misconduct happen within the home. But don't make your child have to live as if they don't have you. You're here by the grace of God. Let them have a parent that shows them through the way that they are loved who God is. I also want to say that when Maverick makes his children say their names, it truly meant a lot to me. It was an extremely powerful moment in the movie. He said to his children, I give each of you power in your names. Seven, perfection, star, light, sakani, joy, and I really could not think of anyone but God. It was like God when he gave us each a name and it encompassed through this movie in a small moment that may have seemed very minuscule how God views us as his children. He really loves us so much and he even renamed people in the Bible to reflect how he saw them. He does the same for us. He changed Jacob's name into Israel and Sarai into Sarah. This made me think of how I got my name. My mom said God gave her a dream where she saw a name in the clouds and it said Alicia, which of course is a girl's name. At the time she saw it, she was convinced she was having a boy. But surprise, I came out a girl and my name means noble. It also means protected by God. But God frequently ministers to me using Ruth 311. That scripture says, and now my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. I thought of one 1.5 in the New King James Version when I saw this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. God also gave me a vision. When I was living in Missouri, running from God, Like Jonah, (laughs) I'm supposed to be in uh, Nineveh and I'm all the way in Tarshish. (laughs) Anyway, I had a vision of God showing me how a child behaves in different environments. I saw this child behaving really good at church. He was kind and sharing and influencing the children around him to share. I was so happy because when he was small, I used to read the Bible to him but it had been a while and when I came back into contact with him, he'd been influenced by a toxic environment. Then there was a family gathering that I went to and the people were always under the influence, smoking, drinking, popping pills, and they would leave the kids in the basement to do what they do. I noticed what was going on, but at the time I wanted to enjoy the night and be involved in the quote-unquote fun (laughs) So I smoked a little bit of marijuana, which I literally cannot do because God would let me see things that completely scare me to pieces. <laughs> but I smoked and I began to see a red light. One thing that always helps me to distinguish when the enemy is around is I'll see a red light. Like the red and blue lights on a police car, minus the blue Anyway, I start feeling the enemy and I'm starting to get this voice in my head telling me to get the kid and leave. I go downstairs into the basement and it turns out the older kids that were downstairs changed the light bulb to a red light bulb. I see my little boy running around with some of the kids. He falls and his sock rips and I saw that he was playing with a toy gun. His mom used to allow him to do that and he'd make the shooting noises but immediately my heart dropped. All I could think was that this baby would one day grow into a man and if he doesn't get out of this environment now he may grow up and behave the same way. I started collecting his things and the voice of the enemy was loud and ringing in my ears. Then the older kids start saying let him stay he doesn't want to go and he's having fun. In that vision, God was showing me how children are influenced by their environment significantly. If you're not guarding their ear gates and eye gates and covering them in prayer, it's likely that the world will begin to seep into them and they'll be influenced more by what they see around them than you. I was terrified for him because I saw how he was when he was with me and how he was when he was around people who have no real knowing or reverence for God. Your children are informed by you and what you allow. You are the observation that your children will then recreate in their day-to-day life. So choose to be more intentional on a regular basis about what you're doing and how you're behaving around your kids. I've heard a lot of parents be afraid of other people being worn out by their kids, but hey, we are not worn out by your kids. You are worn out by your kids. Again, God has entrusted you with them and the world will never be worn out by your kids if you truly see your child as the kingdom influencer that God is calling them to become and not like an irritant or annoyance that you need out of the way So that you can fulfill your god-given dreams baby fever is cute and all but they don't stay babies forever with that being said thank y'all for listening i'm going to end this episode with another prayer because i feel guided to pray over y'all father god in the name of jesus i pray for every parent in need of healing and deliverance I pray over the children that you've entrusted them with, that they would be able to discern the needs of their child and learn to foster healthy relationships with them. I pray that they would not damage the children in their care or cause them to falter in any way. Father, I pray that they would be edified by this message and I know that it is you who sustains them. I pray over all the children who feel lost, misguided, abandoned, or who grew into adult but have not healed the infirmities inside them. I pray that those who were never taught up in the way that they should go would make the decision to come to you and let you teach them up. I pray that they will never lose their hope and zeal for life because of their current or future relationships that they will build with you. And I pray that family units will begin to come together throughout the nation that will glorify your name and send you into the hearts of those open and ready to accept you. I pray that your angel that you, I pray that your angels would encamp about the listeners wherever they may be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed making it and it meant a lot to me. Thank you for listening, and I hope you guys have a blessed day. Bye-bye.